Greetings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Sunday School Podcast for November 20th, 2022, the 24th Sunday after Pentecost. And today we're going to look at Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13, as Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. Now, prayer, in a sense, for us is a mystery. I mean, in one way, we think it's quite simple because we, uh, we speak, sending, uh, intending our words for God, and, and, and God hears and answers. But at the same time, we hear from, from Romans chapter 8 that, uh, that the Holy Spirit takes our prayers and, and sort of edits them or intercedes for us and turns our prayers in, into groanings too deep for our words that are worthy of the Father's ears. And then when our prayers arrive at, at, at the throne of God, Jesus as our high priest is interceding for us. And then God the Father promises to answer our prayers, not in the way that we perhaps want, but in the way that is best for us. So we pray, the Holy Spirit betters our words for us. We don't know exactly what prayer gets to heaven. And then God promises to answer in a way that we might not understand. And so prayer becomes, becomes a mystery. But what a great mystery because God wants us to pray so much that he commands it. And God promises to hear our prayers. Just think of that. The Almighty God, the Most High, the Maker of heaven and earth, wants to hear you pray, wants to hear me pray, so much that he, he commands us to do so and promises to answer. Now, prayer does not begin with us speaking or even thinking. Prayer is actually a two-way conversation, and it begins with God. First, we hear God's word, and then we pray his word back to him. You've probably heard for sure before that prayer involves thanks and praise and intercession or, or petitions, asking for things, and all of that is true. But the source of our thanks and the source of our praise is God's word. Because how can we thank God if we don't know what he's done for us? How can we praise God if we don't know who he is or what he has done for us? And how do we know what to ask God for unless we know what God promises to give us? So I often say that prayer is kind of like kids saying to their father, Dad, you promised. And Jesus makes it clear that it's that relationship when he teaches the Lord's Prayer because the Lord's Prayer begins with the words, Our Father. So as kids ask their parents for stuff all the time, God commands us to ask him for what he promises to give us. Now, if he doesn't promise to give us something, we can still ask for it. I could, I could pray for a new car if I want, but I cannot demand that God give me a new car because he hasn't promised to do it. And of course, if I pray and ask God for something harmful, God will say no because God wants what is best for us. So prayer is a two-way conversation. It begins with God, our Father, speaking to us. 
And then the act of prayer that we think of is we, his children, speaking back to him, thanking him, praising him, and then asking for things from him according to his word, according to his will, according to what he has promised. With that in mind, let's then turn to Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13, as Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. So starting at verse 1, we read, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. That's enough for now. So the first remarkable thing we find in this passage is that Jesus prays. Why is that remarkable? Because Jesus himself is God. He is one God with the Father. They're separate persons, but they are co-equal. They're both omniscient. They both know what each other is thinking at all times, if we want to use the word thinking. And so why would Jesus talk to his Father? Well, one, because he's setting an example for us, but two, because the Father and the Son talk to each other. That's, that's a sign of, of their, their unity together. So Jesus, although he knows all things and the Father knows all things, still talks to his Father. His disciples then ask him to teach them to pray as John the Baptist taught his disciples. And so Jesus gives them an example of prayer. And you recognize the prayer that he gives as most of what we call the Lord's Prayer. Now, the rest of the Lord's Prayer in the Bible you find in Matthew chapter 6. There you get kind of the full Lord's Prayer except for the ending. This version here in Luke chapter 11 is missing. The third petition, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, as well as the conclusion, for thine is a kingdom. And we'll talk about that in just a minute or so. But the rest of the Lord's Prayer is here. And as I said before, this begins with Father, even as we pray in the Lord's Prayer today, our Father who art in heaven. And that's very important because it sets the relationship for prayer. The Lord's Prayer does not begin with, O King, or O Lord. It begins with Father. Because who does a king help? A king helps the citizens who have done their best to help him. Kings reward those who do a good job serving the king. Who do fathers help? Their kids. Have their kids done a good job with the chores that day? The father helps them. Have the kids done a bad job that day? The father still takes care of them anyways. When the Lord's Prayer begins with Father, Jesus is teaching us that God doesn't help us because we've earned it. God helps us because we are, in fact, his children. And we're his children because Christ has died to make us so. And we're his children because we've been baptized into his name. So Father begins the prayer, hallowed be your name. 
And you remember what the small catechism says about this. What does this mean? God's name is certainly holy in itself, but we pray in this petition that it may be kept holy among us also. How is God's name kept holy? God's name is kept holy when the word of God is taught in its truth and purity, and we, as the children of God, also lead holy lives according to it. Help us to do this, dear Father in heaven. But anyone who teaches or lives contrary to God's word profanes the name of God among us. Protect us from this, Heavenly Father. So when we pray, hallowed be your name, we're praying that God would keep his, his, uh, his word taught among us in its truth and purity. And that, of course, it is important for our faith. It's important for our Christian life. And it's also important for prayer. Because remember, prayer begins with God speaking to us before we know what to pray. And if we don't hear God's word correctly, then we won't know what to pray and we'll end up praying the wrong things instead. So as we pray here for, uh, for God's name to be kept holy, that his word be preserved among us, we are actually praying that he would speak to us, that we would hear his voice, and that we might pray correctly back to him. Second petition, your kingdom come. What does this mean, says a small catechism? The kingdom of God certainly comes by itself without our prayer, but we pray in this petition that it may come to us also. How does God's kingdom come? God's kingdom comes when our Heavenly Father gives us his Holy Spirit so that by his grace we believe his holy word and lead godly lives here in time and there in eternity. So we pray that God's kingdom comes among us, and the kingdom of God is wherever Jesus is at work to forgive sins. Now, The Catechism doesn't mention Jesus forgiving sins here. It mentions the work of the Holy Spirit. And it does that for a couple of reasons. First off, it's the Holy Spirit who works through God's Word to bring us to faith. It's the Holy Spirit who gives us the ability to understand God's Word when it's taught in its truth and purity. And also at the end of our reading today in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, Jesus speaks about how the Holy Spirit is given to us by God the Father to help us pray. So now in these first two petitions, we've asked our Father in heaven to give us his word and to give us his Holy Spirit so we might understand his word, believe it, and live according to it and pray it back to him in the right way. Now, again, this version in Luke of the Lord's Prayer skips the third petition, Thy will be done, and goes on to give us each day our daily bread. Small Catechism says, what does this mean? God certainly gives daily bread to everyone without our prayers, even to all evil people. But we pray in this petition that God would lead us to realize this and to receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. What is meant by daily bread? Daily bread includes everything that has to do with the support and needs of the body, such as food, drink, clothing, shoes, house, home, land, animals, money, goods, 
a devout husband or wife, devout children, devout workers, devout and faithful rulers, good government, good weather, peace, health, self-control, good reputation, good friends, faithful neighbors, and the like. So when we pray, give us each day our daily bread, we're asking for everything we need for this body and life, and God delights to hear those prayers, and God delights to answer those prayers with what we need. Not necessarily what we want, but certainly what we need. So praying for daily bread is fine. Jesus teaches us to pray for daily bread. However, I would just point out that that's one petition out of seven petitions in the Lord's Prayer. And the rest are all about God's Word, God's Spirit, God's will, God's forgiveness, and God's salvation. I'm willing to bet that we spend most of our time in prayer praying about daily bread, and the Lord's Prayer, that's only one-seventh of what Jesus teaches us to pray about. Most of the time, he encourages us to pray not for the things of this body and life, but to pray of those things which uh, cleanse our souls and give us salvation for eternal life. The next petition in Luke 11 then is, Forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. What does this mean? asks the small catechism. We pray in this petition that our Father in heaven would not look at our sins or deny our prayer because of them. We are neither worthy of the things for which we pray, nor have we deserved them. But we ask that he would give them all to us by grace, for we daily sin much and surely deserve nothing but punishment. So we too will sincerely forgive and gladly do good to those who sin against us. This again goes back to calling God our Father here. Will a king look to be merciful and to help and to give to the outlaw who's been robbing his treasury wagons every week, who's been uh, spiting the name of the king before his subjects? No, he won't. Yet each day we sin against God, taking what is his, misusing it, misusing his name. And yet rather than say, hey, God, help us when we do better, Jesus teaches us to pray, Father, forgive us and help us despite our sins. And God the Father says, for Jesus' sake, I do. The final petition here in Luke 11, this version of the Lord's Prayer is, and lead us not into temptation. And there we read uh, in the small catechism, what does this mean? God tempts no one. We pray in this petition that God would guard and keep us so that the devil, the world, and our sinful nature may not deceive us or mislead us into false belief, despair, and other great shame and vice. Although we are attacked by these things, we pray that we may finally overcome them and win the victory. So once again, with this petition, we are praying about matters of faith. Faith is always under attack by the devil, the world, and our own sinful nature. And Jesus says, you're not on your own. Ask the Lord for help. Ask, ask my Father in heaven for help. And God promises to help us. 
By the way, I, I, I left this off before. Um, when Jesus teaches them to pray in Luke 11, he teaches them to pray beginning with Father. In Matthew chapter 6, he says, pray like this, our Father in heaven. Who is the our? Well, it's, it's, it's all of us Christians, but it's also Jesus. Jesus, of course, is a son of God. He prays to his Father in heaven. And, and in, in teaching us to pray, he says, My Father is your Father, because for my sake you are now children of God. Which means, when we pray this prayer to our Father in heaven, Jesus is praying this prayer with us because the Father in heaven is his Father too. All right, so, so that's what we have of the Lord's Prayer here in Luke 11. That's how Jesus teaches the disciples to pray. I mentioned before that we're missing the third petition, Thy will be done. We're also missing the seventh petition, Deliver us from evil. That's also in Matthew chapter 6. And then we're also missing what's called the doxology or the conclusion, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And it's worth pointing out here that that conclusion, that doxology is not found in Matthew chapter 6, and it's not found in Luke chapter 11. In other words, that conclusion to the Lord's Prayer is not part of the Lord's Prayer as it is found in Scripture. It starts to get added on to the end of the Lord's Prayer very early on. The, uh, you can find um, part of that doxology, for thine is the kingdom and the power, in a writing called the called the Didache, which is written at the end of the first century. So by the time John the Apostle dies, they're already adding that to the Lord's Prayer. Um, and, and there are a few manuscripts early on that have more or less, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. But, uh, but that text itself is not found in the most reliable manuscripts of Scripture. Does that mean we should stop praying it? No, it's totally true that, that um, to God the Father belongs the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Um, and so it's a perfectly fine thing to pray, but we want to make sure that we, we don't say, if you're not praying that, then you're not praying the Lord's Prayer right, because it's not part of the Lord's Prayer as found in Scripture. All right, with that, then back to Luke chapter 11, uh, going on to verse 5, Jesus said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, a friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed, I cannot get up and give you anything." I tell you that although he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. <laughs> now, I, I love this little illustration that Jesus uses to, to teach about prayer because he begins with the second person. Which of you would do this? Which of you would, would plan poorly, find he misses, he doesn't have any food in the house, and a friend drops by late at night? So which of you would go to your neighbor's house when all the lights are out and pound on his door and say, hey, friend, got a visitor. Can you, can you give me some food to give to my, to my visitor? And of course, the answer is, 
Nobody would do that. You'd have to be super rude or super impudent to keep knocking on the door and saying, get up, get out of bed, disturb your children, turn on the lights, find some food and give it to me. Very persistent in a, in a rude sort of way. Um, and, and, and so Jesus says, you really shouldn't, or he implies anyways, you really shouldn't treat your, your, your friends that way, and you don't. And yet... He tells us to, to, to knock on God the Father's door, if you were, to, to ask him for what we need. Now, the, the Father, God the Father in heaven, does not reward us because we are impudent or rude or want to impose our will upon him. He gives us what we need for the sake of Jesus. So when Jesus tells a story, he's not saying be impudent and rude towards God. He's saying, like that impudent man, be persistent. Keep on asking God the Father for things because God commands you to pray. He delights to hear you pray. And he promises that he will answer in his time and according to his will. God loves to hear you pray. Jesus then goes on to say in verse 9, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Now this is a text that has been misused by um prosperity preachers and the like to say, see, Jesus says that if you ask God well enough, God will give you whatever you want. Ask and it'll be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it'll be open to you. And so just keep on asking and God will give you whatever you want, say the prosperity preachers, but they have totally missed context or they've totally ignored context. Jesus says these words just after he's taught them to pray the Lord's Prayer. So when he says, ask, it'll be given to you, he's saying, ask according to God's word, which is preserved among you in its truth and purity. When he says, ask, he says, ask according to the faith that the Holy Spirit has given you that always says, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Ask God for what you need, knowing that you're forgiven for your sins. So don't ask out of sin. Ask out of faith. I think I can say this as as something that is always true. If you want God to answer your prayers for sure, ask for what he's promised to give you. Does he promise forgiveness? Absolutely. Does he promise to help you rob a bank? No, he does not. Ask what God promises to give, and it will be given to you. Seek what God wants you to find, and it will be found. Knock on the door that God wants you to open, to fill in some words there, and and God will open that door for you. Pray according to his word. Finally, then, in this passage, we have Jesus saying this, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? 
Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So we have another little illustration here. Um, Fathers, good fathers, are still sinners. They, they, they still do sinful things, and, and, and they sometimes react poorly to their kids. But still, overall, good fathers want to be good to their children. So, if a son asks a human father for a fish to eat, will his father give him a serpent that will bite him instead? Of course not, because even a sinful father wants what is best for his child. Or if the child asks him for an egg to eat, is he going to serve him up a scorpion to sing him instead? No, because a father, though a sinner, still wants to be good to his son. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, says Jesus, How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So first off, in general, if sinful fathers try to be good to their children, how much better will your sinless, holy Father in Heaven want to be good to you? And how much better will He know what is best for you since He is, in fact, God? Now, that's a general point. But Jesus doesn't just say that. He says, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So Jesus centers on God's gift of the Holy Spirit. Why is that important? Because it's the Holy Spirit who opens your your understanding to the word. It's the Holy Spirit who delivers forgiveness to you. It's the Holy Spirit who gives you faith to trust in Jesus. So, it's the work of the Holy Spirit that makes you a child of God. And whose prayers does the Father in heaven hear? The prayers of his children. So, Jesus says the Father gives the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes you his beloved child. And as a child, you ask God for what you need, and God promises he will answer in the way that's best for you. So when Jesus teaches the disciples about prayer, he ends with speaking of his Father giving the Holy Spirit. Or let me say it this way. The Son says the Father will give the Spirit. So this passage on learning to pray ends with the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Holy Spirit um, intercedes for us according to the will of God. And then Jesus intercedes for us at the throne and the Father promises to answer. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are, are all active in prayer. In fact, I I, I know a professor, I had a professor one time who said, so if you want to to be sure that the the Holy Trinity is working on your behalf, pray. Because God promises that that when you pray, the Holy Spirit is, is, is at work, and the Son is at work interceding for you, and the Father is at work answering, and they delight to be set at work by your prayers. 
So the whole Holy Trinity is involved in prayer, just as the Holy Trinity is involved in baptism, which is one of the reasons why before we baptize somebody, we pray the Lord's Prayer. And in fact, we we pray the Lord's Prayer, if possible, with the pastor putting his hand on the one who is to be baptized, hand on the head to say, we are praying because you're about to be baptized. Because when you're baptized, you become a child of God and God promises to hear your prayers too. It's also, by the way, why the Lord's Prayer is, is, is the prayer that we pray before Holy Communion. Who is Holy Communion for? The family of God, the children of God. And so this is the prayer of his children praying to their father. And so before we sit down to eat, as it were, we have this meal prayer. We pray the Lord's Prayer, asking God to, to, um, to preserve his word among us, to send his Holy Spirit that we may be part of his kingdom. And then Jesus arrives with his body and blood to say, the king is here, take and eat, take and drink for the forgiveness of sins. So, um, kind of the the high notes of of, of this look at at prayer. Again, praying is the work of speaking God's promises back to him, of saying to your Father in heaven, Dad, you promised. And and again, you can ask for things he doesn't promise, but, but he doesn't promise him to answer that prayer. He will do what is best for you. Jesus teaches then the Lord's Prayer, which, uh, which is mostly about his grace and faith for our salvation. Then he tells us to be persistent in prayer because God delights to answer us even if he doesn't answer right away. And then he reminds us that if, if earthly fathers know how best to help their kids, God the Father certainly knows how to help you in the way that is best, and he starts off by giving you his Holy Spirit. How awesome that God commands us to pray because he wants to hear his children speak to him. I hope that's a a joy in your meditations this week. God bless your further meditation upon this text, and God bless your efforts if you're teaching this to others. And um, we look forward to, uh, to speaking next week. In the meantime, the Lord order your days and your deeds in his peace. Amen.